0: All right, we are going through a series called Bodybuilding God's Way, and uh, the concept here is we're basically talking about spiritual disciplines that we use in our life to strengthen us spiritually so that we can become effective, fully developing followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, it would be nice if you could go to school or do life and just sit and everything grew and got stronger and just happened, but it, life doesn't happen that way. Uh, physically, to get stronger, you got to exercise. Uh, mentally, to grow and improve and get smarter, you got to study. You got to work at it. Spiritually, it's no different. If we, as we become believers in Christ, we are then, according to the Bible, babes in Christ. Now we have to grow. Peter said, "Desire the sincere miracle of the word, so you can grow thereby." There's a growth process, and all of us as believers want to grow. I mean, that, that, that's why we're here today. We want to grow. So that process of growth requires, like physical growth, certain tools to be used in our life, certain equipment. So we're talking about five basic types of equipment, so to speak, that God uses to grow us spiritually. And number one was the Bible. We talked about that. We're talking about prayer now. We'll talk about the church. We'll talk about people in our life, good and bad and the personal experiences that we go through. All of these things God uses to grow us and strengthen us spiritually. Now, as we look at these five things, we're looking at three basic aspects of each one. Number one, what will this do for me? And last time we talked about prayer. What does prayer do for us? Number two, how do I do it? If I go to, into a gym and they show me a piece of equipment and tell me what to do, I want to know, well, what's that going to do for me and how do I do it properly? And then number three, what kind of results can I expect? If I use a tricep bar and I do certain tricep exercises the right way, then this little bump on the back of my arm ought to get bigger. That's the result I should expect. So spiritually, if I, what will prayer do for me? How do I do it? And if I do it right, what kind of results can I expect? What kind of growth, how is that going to look in my life? We'll we'll talk about that actually next week. So today, we're going to look at Luke 11 and we're going to talk about how do I do it? Prayer. How do I pray? In order for prayer to bring the results I want, how do I do it? Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, and we'll stop there, because he's going to illustrate a principle about prayer which basically is consistency, that you keep on doing it over and over again. But I want you to notice as we begin today, in verse number one, the Bible says one day Jesus was praying. So as, we got to, as I got to thinking about how do we, in one lesson, talk about how to pray in a way that it's going to bring about the results that we talked about. So last time, we talked about what does prayer do for me? Well, there's three things. Number one, it helps me focus on the Lord. It helps me focus on God in my mind. Number two, it strengthens my relationship with Him and my faith. And then number three, it actually helps give me wisdom and guidance about decisions I'm going to make. Jesus actually went out into a mountain and spent all night in prayer immediately before he went off that mountain and chose his 12 disciples. So prayer helps give us guidance and wisdom for decisions that we make. Now, one of the things I want you to understand as we approach this lesson, this is not an exhaustive lesson on every aspect of how we pray. For example, can you pray anywhere at any time? Yes or no? Yes. Of course you can. Peter was walking on the water, started to sink, said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and answered his prayer and saved him. So we're not going to talk about every aspect. We're not going to go through how we ask for things. And when you pray, what are some things we pray for? We're not going to do all of that. We just don't have time. What we are going to do is we're going to focus on an aspect of prayer that is vitally important in the way we use it so that the results of spiritual growth we're looking for happen. As we do what we're going to talk about today, we will learn all those other aspects of prayer as we study the Scripture and as we pray. The more we pray, the more that stuff will come to us. As a matter of fact, you'll notice in verse 1, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. That means prayer is a learned behavior. It's not something you get saved you just know how to do it. It's a learned behavior. I know how to talk to God, but I can learn how to better have that relationship with Him the more that I do it. Have you ever been with a a person and um, they ran into somebody they knew down in Five Points? And notice the way they approach each other. They look at each other and the way they talk. It's like they've known each other all their life. Then they meet somebody they've never seen before. Now, is that conversation exactly the same as the other one? Of course not. Why? Because there was a time in that person's life that that person they talked to first that they knew, where the conversation was extended, it was more joyful, there was more intimacy in it. There was a time that the second conversation had to be had with that first person to begin the relationship. Then the more they got to know each other, the more intimate that relationship became and the conversation totally changes. The same thing is true with you and me and God. If we never talk to Him, then every time we go talk to Him, it's like talking to somebody we really don't know. The more we talk to Him, and the more we learn who He is, and the more we watch Him work in our life through answers to those prayers, the more intimate that talk gets. So, That's the aspect we want to look at today. How do we get started so that it becomes effective in our life? So we're going to look today at a few things. And as I thought about this, since the disciples went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, part of the reason they did, verse 1, he was doing it. The Bible says one day Jesus was praying. When he got done, they said, teach us how to do that. So the best thing for us to do is to look at what Jesus did. If he did it, then maybe that's the best way for us to do it. So I'm going to give you five things today that will help us know how to pray so that spiritually we can grow as believers. Okay. Number one, I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 9, and I want you to look at verse 18. Number one, Jesus prayed privately. Jesus prayed privately. Luke chapter 9, verse number 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? The first time I read that, I thought, now do you I mean, Lord. What are you saying here? One time when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. Now, if he's in private, how can his disciples be with him? What are you talking about? And I immediately thought about the story in the garden. you remember when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray before his crucifixion? He took three guys with him, Peter, James, and John. He took them, they went into the garden, and he said, now you three guys stay right here while I go over there. They were with him, but they weren't with him. He had them near him, but he went off by himself to pray, and then he would come back to them. Then he left them again. So, more than likely, what this means is, he could have been in a house the possibility is he they were in the same house, but he was in the next room with the door shut by himself. He was talking to his father privately. He wasn't doing it out in front of all of them. Okay, so first of all, Jesus prayed privately in Matthew chapter fourteen. Also in Mark chapter one, which we'll look at in a minute, Jesus would go out onto a mountainside. He was constantly going off into a private place so he could pray. So first of all, how do I pray? Well, I need to pray privately. Hey, let me ask you a question. If we just said a few minutes ago, we can pray anywhere at any time, are there times you and I pray during the day when we're not alone in private? Sure there are. Okay, Here's the point. You and I can pray anytime we want to. But because we can pray anytime we want to, that should not be an excuse Not to pray like this. Do we have a private time when we pray? You ever heard somebody say this? Well, I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to just worship Him at church. Is that true? Sure it is. You can worship God anywhere. But what they're saying is not I can worship God anywhere so I worship Him at church and everywhere else. What they're saying is, I can worship God anywhere, and that's my excuse not to go to church. I can pray anywhere. Not, I pray anywhere, and I pray in private. I can pray anywhere, and that's my excuse why I never pray like this. We need both. If we're going to grow spiritually, we need both. Somebody says, well, you need to exercise. Well, I do exercise. I walk from my bedroom to the bathroom, from my bathroom to the kitchen, from the kitchen to the garage, from my car to where I walk every day. I exercise. Now, Now, do I mean that I do that and I go to the gym and I walk on the trip? No. I do that. That's my excuse to you for why I don't do all the other stuff. Well, spiritual exercise is no different. A lot of times we use these Things that are spiritually okay as an excuse why we don't do the other. And it's no wonder we have so many spiritually anemic and weak believers. These are the things that take us to the next level in our Christian walk, and our relationship with Christ. Now, but why do you think that's so important? Because Jesus did it. If he did it, maybe I need to do it too. So first of all, he prayed privately. Take your Bible now and turn to Mark chapter 1. Let me show you something else about Jesus in his prayer life. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Number one, he prayed privately. Number two, he prayed on purpose. He did it on purpose. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, Uh uh-oh, while it was still dark, must not have been daylight saving time, Jesus got up out of the bed, left the house, where'd he go? He went off to a solitary, a private place where he prayed. You know, when I read this, I, I got thinking about this, and our, our Bible study group actually talked a little bit about this um, a couple weeks ago. It's interesting when you read this that Jesus, according to this, didn't roll over in bed one morning and say, Oh, man, I can't go back to sleep. I think I'll just lay here and pray for a while. He, on purpose, made an appointment to pray and went to extremes to make sure he could do it in a private place where he could talk to his father. Now, somebody says, well, what was going on? Why did he do that? Look at verse 29. Let me show you what was going on. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. He healed his mother-in-law. He made her well. Jesus comes into their house, heals the mother-in-law, and she begins to wait on them. That evening after sunset. Now, the prior event took place before sunset, during the day. Now it's evening. It's after sunset. More than likely after dinner, the mother-in-law began to wait on them, probably preparing a meal. After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Look at the next phrase, verse 33. The whole town gathered at the door. What door? The door of Simon and Andrew's house, where Jesus was. They, somebody slipped out and, went and told them what was going on. They started bringing everybody that was sick and demon-possessed to this man in his house who could make them well. It's after sunset, after dinner. The Bible says, verse 34, And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place so he could pray. Why did he do it in the morning? It's the only time he had. The day before, he walked into the house, performed a miracle, and immediately the house was swamped, according to the Bible, with everybody in the town. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Jesus had waited until 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning when the city was already busy and moving, and he walked out of that house to go find a place to pray? He would have been mobbed. What did he do? Now, I had somebody asked me one time, does that mean that the biblical way to pray is to get up early in the morning and leave your house? Of course not. That's not the point. He needed a private place, so on purpose, he did what he had to do so he could have his time of prayer. That time, it happened to be early in the morning, and he had to leave the house. There's no telling how many people were staying in that house. Other times, he left and went up onto a mountain. Other times, the Bible says, he just went to a lonely place. The point here is he did it on purpose. If you and I are going to have this kind of prayer, it's only going to happen because we do it on purpose. We set a time. We set a place. We got it it figured out. This is what we're going to do, and we just do it. It's just like working out. This is when I go to the gym. This is the time I'm there. This is how long I stay there. And I do it on purpose. There's a third thing. He prayed privately. He prayed on purpose. He prayed often. Luke 5 and verse 16. Turn back over there. Luke chapter 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and prayed often. Now, here, here's here's kind of the deal, and I want us to understand this. There, there's not this little rigid model that says the only way to really have effective prayer is you have to do it this way, and this way, and this way, and this way. You've got to get up at 5.30 every morning. you got to go off into some place out in the woods, and you've got to get on your knees, and you've got to stay there for an hour, and you've got to do it every day. I've actually heard some preachers say that. Now, I've checked the Greek, the Latin, the Hebrew, everything I can, and I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. But what I do find in the Bible is that we do need a time. Even though we pray any time, we need a private time. We're just us and God. It has to be on purpose. Life is too busy. And everybody's time and place is going to be different. You have to figure that out on your own. But it's only going to happen if we do it on purpose. Number three, we've got to do it often. That doesn't mean you've got to do it every day. Now, I will tell you, the more you do it and the more it begins to help you in your life, the more often you're going to want to do it. It's going to get to the place to where you don't want to miss this time. It's like when you start working out. When you first start, it's drudgery. After you do it for a while and you're really getting into it and you're seeing goals reached, you kind of look forward to it. Well, that's how prayer is going to be. But right now, you got to get started. That's the hardest part. If you do it every day, if you do it three times a week, if you do it twice a day, you just do it often. And let me say, often is not once a month. Often is not twice a year. That's not often. It all goes back to what we started with. I don't pray because it's like some magic charm that's going to make God not be mad at me. Prayers for me. How many of you were raised or, were, or grew up or at some point in your life were in a Catholic church? Okay. I know my wife was. Okay. You, you remember confession and you tell the priest. And, and what did he do? He gave you a prescription. He gave you a spiritual prescription. Now for what you did, that requires this many Hail Marys and this many Our Fathers. You go say those and you will be absolved of your sin. Basically, if you go use your good luck charm, then God won't be mad at you no more. That's basically what it was. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said when you pray, don't pray like that. Don't be like the hypocrites who think because they're much repeating of the words that they will be heard. That's not prayer. Jesus said, but when you pray go into your closet, shut the door, and talk to your Heavenly Father in private. And then your Heavenly Father, who hears you in secret, will answer you openly. That's prayer. And just like in the Catholic Church, when they say the Hail Marys and the Our Fathers, there's not a heartfelt, God, I need your... help." It's, It's quoting a good luck charm, basically. Well, you know, when we pray... You don't have to be Catholic saying Hail Marys and Our Fathers. A lot of times that's how our prayers are. We just say stuff over and over again because we're desperate, hoping God will help us. But we're not really talking to Him. Prayer, when you first start, becomes a job. The more you do it, it becomes a necessity. And the even more you do it, it becomes a joy. But it's a learned behavior you got to start with it. And you do it often. Okay, Number four, you do it uninterrupted. Back to Mark one thirty-five. you don't have to turn there. We already looked at it. Jesus had to get up. He had to leave the house and get off somewhere alone. You know why? So He wouldn't be interrupted. Now here's the point. How long do I need to be uninterrupted? As long as you want. I will tell you this. If you can find a time during your day, and again, that time... Your uninterrupted time is between you and God, because only you know when that can be. I mean, at our house, we at one point we had eight kids. We got our schedule is so packed, we have three and four calendars just to keep up with everything. And we still don't keep up with do we? I mean, life is hectic. You may only be able to find five minutes of uninterrupted time. Five minutes is better than zero minutes. And that's okay. Don't think that to start doing this, I've got to go find an hour of uninterrupted time or it's not going to be worth it. Two minutes of uninterrupted time is better than zero minutes. Now, again, I will tell you, as you start to get that uninterrupted time and you are privately praying on purpose and doing it often, that time is going to grow and you won't even realize it. You'll be praying and talking to God and 30 minutes will go by and you won't even realize it. It just happens that way. What is that? That's exactly what we're talking about. Spiritual bodybuilding. We're getting stronger. Our relationship is getting deeper. We're growing as a believer. Jesus prayed uninterrupted. Then finally, number five, back to Luke chapter 11. And Let me just show you this real quick so that we can, uh, we can go to our breakouts. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives us what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, let me ask you this. Is there anything wrong with quoting the Lord's Prayer? Yes or no? No. As a matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with us praying any of the prayers recorded in the Bible. They are prayers. The difference is, am I praying it like a good luck charm, or do I really mean what I'm saying? You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then 30 seconds after we say that, we're cursing somebody using God's name in vain. Kind of hard to really believe I meant what I just said. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then me turn around and say, God, you're not going to tell me what to do. Give us this day our daily bread. And we usually always mean that one. And forgive us our sins. And we usually always mean that one the next part's a little tough as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And then we harbor bitterness towards all kinds of people. And lead us not into temptation as we get up and walk out straight into one on purpose. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Meaning, you can do anything to me you want to I need to obey you lest you get me. And yet we act as if God doesn't exist. So, my point is, there's nothing wrong with praying the prayer. But the point of prayer is that from our heart, we talk to God. I do believe, however, in the Lord's prayer, He gave us a design for what we are allowed to pray for. Let me give it to you real quick, and then we've got to stop. And by the way, this is praying focused. And that's what Jesus did. He focused on certain things when he prayed. Here's what he prayed. First of all, he focused on who God is. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says that he is a high priest who loves us and wants us to come to him to find help. A great exercise would be for you to get a commentary or some book and look up all the names of God in the Bible and write down beside those names what they mean. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. Go through and write all of them down. And then when you get in that private time where you're going to pray, start your prayer by going through all the names of God and thanking Him for who He is. Now remember, one of the things that prayer does for us is it causes us to focus on God. Try naming all the things that God is and what He's like before we begin asking for things that we need and see if it doesn't enhance your prayer life. I promise you it will. I've been doing it for years. Number two. He not only said you focus on who God is, you focus on what God wants. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. It's all about God, not us. In John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, there's an interesting passage. Jesus said this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. Jesus literally said, you can ask whatever you want and I'll do it. Question, then how come everything I ask for, I don't get. How come I don't have everything I want? There is a prerequisite. If you remain in me, if you and I are walking in a proper relationship and my words remain in you, then you can ask what you want and it will be done. Why? Because if I'm in a proper relationship with God and His Word is dominating my thought life and my thinking and the principles by which I live that I'm not going to ask for anything that's contrary to God or His Word. James says the reason you ask and you don't get it is because you ask for things that you just want to use to satisfy your sinful desires. That's why you don't get it. And by the way, why does God not give us those things? Because He's big and mean. Because He knows if He does, it'll hurt us. When you start having children, They'll ask for things. The last thing you want to do is give them everything they ask for. Because some of those things will hurt them. You don't want to hurt your own kids. God is no different. God only gives us those things that are good for us. So, how do I pray? I focus on who God is. I focus on what God wants. Then number three, and this is great, I can focus on what we need. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. There's two areas that we need things. We need things physically. Nothing wrong with asking for that. He says we can't. Give us this day our daily bread. Number two, we need spiritual things though. We got to have spiritual things. Forgive us our sins. You know one of the greatest parts about prayer is that when you really start to pray and you start to focus on why your prayers aren't being answered the way you thought, one of the places you start looking Is that my own life? And that brings me to the last thing where He says, not only give us this day and forgive us, but He says, for we also forgive others and lead us not into temptation. When you pray, focus on who God is, what God wants, what we need, and how we live. Am I forgiving people? For He says in Matthew 6, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you. And am I being obedient? Psalm 66, 18 says, If I cherish sin in my life, the Lord will not hear me. Does God always answer prayer? Yes. It's yes, no, or maybe. Wait. God doesn't answer prayer He doesn't hear. If I cherish sin in my life, the Lord will not hear me. It's not that He didn't answer. He never heard it. Our prayers hit the ceiling and stop. The other day, I'll close with this. The other day, as I was praying, God began to speak to my heart because I'm praying about these things and I'm not seeing things happen and, and I'm, I'm starting to think, Lord, is there something wrong with me? And the Lord brought something to my mind. And I began to read as God was directing me into Scripture through devotional books and things I was reading. And I came to a passage in First Peter Chapter 3 and verse number 7, where it says, Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge and show them respect so that your prayers will not be hindered. Immediately, I knew I got a problem. I have not shown my wife respect. Like I'm supposed to. I mean it just it hit me like somebody stuck a dagger through my heart. God's never gonna hear my prayer if I don't fix that. I immediately got up from my private place. I went upstairs, got my wife, I said, I need to talk to you. I shared this these verses and what God was doing. And I said, I'm sorry. I've been terrible. I had not treated you the way I should. As a matter of fact, on my blog, I actually wrote a devotion the next day about that. How it does disrespect show up in our life? And if you go to my blog and you read it, it's all the things that I was doing in my poor wife, thinking God's going to hear me and answer my prayer. He's not going to even hear me. He said in 1 Peter 3, if I don't treat her with respect, my prayer will be hindered. I had to fix that. You know what happened to me that day? I took another step in spiritual growth. I took, so to speak, another level of weights on that spiritual bar and I was able to press it. And you know why it happened in my life? You know why it was brought the light in my life? Because of praying like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. Don't do this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for the food. Don't do this. God, I really need You to give me this sale because I need a big bonus. Don't do this. Praying privately. Praying on purpose. Praying often. Praying uninterruptedly. And praying focused. Does this. Jesus did it that way. And that's why He taught us to do it that way. You know, we can pray anytime, anywhere. But we also need this kind of prayer if we ever expect to grow as a believer. I'm telling you from experience. Eight months ago, I wasn't praying like this. Since I started, my whole life's changing. Father, thank You for the privilege to pray. Help us to be effective when we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.